Hello and welcome to NL Full Time. First of all, apologies for not sounding quite as clear this week. My microphone is broken, so here I am, shouting into a laptop instead. Uh, joining me, uh, we haven't got Dickie this week. He's resigned himself to relegation, so he's taken a week off. Despite not a bad week for Telford results-wise. Joining us now, we have Rob Oral. Hello, Rob. Hello, Rob. I mean, sorry, hello from Rob, <laughs> shouting into his laptop. Yeah. <laughs> and we've also got... Uh, a very uh, happy Joe Pope. Not with Tarky, but just with uh, life in general. Oh, yeah, that's me, Luke. Uh, yeah, happy as ever. Um, ready for another dissection of disappointment. The only time Joe been... gets upset is when Tarky play. That's it, isn't it? Honestly, right, yeah, I, I think he's so cheerful because he spent a bit of his weekend with me, didn't he? But to be fair to Joe, I'm always accusing him of being really grumpy and miserable. And as he left... Uh, yesterday after the game you know he turned to me at the end and he said did Torquay get a draw I said I'm really sorry Joe and I showed him my my app and it had got that 90th minute winner against him but he still left with a smile on his face so I don't know I think maybe I wasn't a grimace (laughs) do it helping us with the north round to say we've given Vicky a week off it is Christian James hello Christian hi how we doing very well, thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll quickly look at midweek because it was a really interesting uh, set of results in midweek. Wrexham, uh, they were comfortably away at Dagenham and Redbridge. Aaron McLean, who was there watching just on his, uh, his night off, trying to, uh, just, uh, I don't know, maybe get another bit of research. He was getting a bit of stick onto it, which he's taken really well, and everyone's responded to that as well in terms of it. It was nice to see that there was uh, a bit of banter and stuff flying around from, from Aaron and... Uh, the Wrexham fans and not county fans, but Wrexham ran out 4-0 winners. The story before that game, though, Joe, was about the referee. There was a, a change in referee at the, the start of the 12th hour of that one, wasn't there? Yeah, apparently uh, the referee, Lloyd Wood, um, not sure whether there's any truth in it. I know they, the rumour mill likes to swirl, but um, apparently Lloyd, Lloyd Wood lives in Dagenham um, and is part of the Dagenham FA. Um, and was put on the game. At, I'm assuming because it was a Tuesday night, and you know, late notice. He he lives local to Dagenham. I expect there was no malice in it. I expect he just lives in Dagenham and happened to, you know, get put on that game. Just to add to this one, right? It's a storm in a teacup in my book. Years ago, they'd always say today's referee is so and so, and he's from this place. They've stopped doing that years ago because of stupid arguments like this. Um, Lloyd Wood is a very, very good and highly respected referee. It makes sense on a practical level to have a local referee. Just because someone's local doesn't mean that they support that team. Um, And uh, finally, if you just drop, and I know we're not talking about the same level, but if you drop down a little bit uh, down the pyramid, uh, referees' fees, often what you have to pay them, is also to do with, um, and that's not the case at National League level, but it's to do with how far they've got to travel and stuff like that. So the lower down the leagues you go, you want a local referee because you don't want to be paying more travel expenses. So, you know, they don't advertise where people are from anymore. And this is exactly the reason why they don't do it, because it's absolutely daft. And if anyone's got a problem with Lloyd Wood as a referee, well, I'll tell you what, the refereeing standard overall isn't that good, but Lloyd Wood is definitely one of the better refs. (laughs) So I thought you were going to say, so take it up with me. You were going to... <laughs> <laughs> You're issuing, issuing a 
come and uh, come at me play there on Twitter. If you do want to have you saying it, go to our Twitter page at NL full time. As it was, Rector ran out 4-0 winners, two goals from Ollie Palmer, Jordan Tunnicliffe with a goal as well as Jacob Mendy. Also in midweek, uh, Chesterfield finally got another win. It was back-to-back wins for them. They won 2-1 away at South End. Easily surprisingly slipped but Yeovil, didn't you, Joe? Game you were at? Yeah, um, game I was at. And I was actually quite impressed with Easley. However, Yeovil were probably good value for the win. Um, funny enough, the best player for Easley, I thought, on the night was a player that came through Yeovil's academy and has since gone out on loan to Easley, Alfie Lloyd. Um, but Yeovil were good value for their, their money. Um, Jordan Stevens got his debut for Yeovil after signing from Barrow. He looked really, really good. Um, and Matt Worthington, who recently got an England C call-up, it looked like that call-up has put a bit of fire in his belly because that's the best I've ever seen him for Yeovil. He looked fired up uh, on the front foot and obviously scored the goal uh, for Yeovil for them to uh, to get all three points. Um, and obviously a bit of a misery compiler for Eastley having Cissé sent off um, Guaranteed red card. He just sliced someone down on the uh, on the break already on a yellow card. But um, yeah, good win for you. Also in the playoff places on Tuesday, a slip up for Woking. They conceded in the ninety second minute to Nathan Sharon to lose at Oldham, and it was a lot of uh, there was a lot of retweeting on Twitter about Darren Sal's interview afterwards as well with with BBC Radio Surrey. He was saying about how. Had done by and how he felt for the players. Oldham fans were responding, going, Yeah, I'd had a shot on goal. What's up with you? So there was a bit of doing and throwing there, Rob, wasn't there? It was all, again, all a bit of silliness, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did comment. Obviously, I work for PBC Surrey Sport, and I did I did say to the sports editor, I said, Oh, we got some good mileage out of that post match. There's about 3,000 views of it in the end. I think once one or two Oldham fans had seen it and started replying to it, it went a little bit, you know, kind of semi viral, really. Darren Saul knows what he's doing. Um, he was trying to keep the confidence of his players up. He was given a bit of a rose-tinted view, I think, of that game, where Woking probably had plenty of the ball and probably felt they controlled elements of the game. But by all accounts, there weren't that many chances in the game. And in the first half, I think three of the four that there were were for Oldham. So um, I can understand it. But uh, nice, really, for Oldham fans to be moaning about something like that after a win. Rather than everything else, they've had to moan and and and, and whimper about for, for quite a long time, and their um you know their revival <clears throat> and their push up the wards up the league towards safety um has continued so, particularly in the midweek last week. Joe, you had your hand up. Did you add anything on that? Or? I, I was just going to add that uh, you know Darren Sal's not the uh, the first person this year to get on the end of some criticism from Oldham fans. So uh, with me me uh, me blog having. Uh, caused uh, a bit of a stir with uh, Oldham fans after a certain uh, piece. So, yeah, Darren Sell, very, very good manager. And, uh, yeah, obviously they ba- we obviously come on to it, but they bounced back uh, yesterday. In the doghouse with Joe. <laughs> yeah. We'll uh, we'll get on to the, uh, the National League fixtures in a minute, but it was FA Trophy quarterfinals day. And, and as you mentioned there in your intro, Rob, you and Joe spent the day together down at BBB, didn't you? Yeah, we did. And of course, we talk every week or most weeks on this podcast, but we hadn't actually met in person before. So it's great for Joe to come down. I know he won't mind me telling the real reason why he was there. And that's because 
he bought a train ticket to Aldershot to come and commentate with me on Torquay, Aldershot against Torquay. Joe then realised that he booked the wrong week. Um, <laughs> so we we rejigged things and he came and commentated on the Aldershot Halifax um, FA Trophy semi-final and uh, he did a very good job as well, uh, Joe, I must say. Um, but it turned out to be an afternoon of disappointment. I'd probably go stronger than that and say misery for, for me and, and all the Aldershot Town fans. I want to give good credit to Halifax um, in probably the tightest of the four um, ties drawn, perhaps the most unpredictable, maybe arguably along with Altrincham and York. Um, I think probably Halifax came in with a better form. Aldershot were at home, which might have made them slight favourites, but it was always going to be tight. Halifax don't concede many. Uh, they got a goal earlier on, a good goal from Millie Alley. Um, in truth, um, he very nearly scored a second as well. An order shot on the day, only really huffed and puffed. They had a bit of a go second half, but I think around about seven, eight minutes from the end, Halifax scored again uh, on the break. Um, that's my account. Joe, would you would your take be similar? Or... Well, I, I was going to go for a bit of a comical take and say that uh, the game was summed up by the fact that Rob narrowly missed out on the golden goal showed loads of promise he had number 14 uh, number 14 was his number minute 14 yeah and the goal ended up in the 12th minute so very much like older shot on the day it was uh, lots of promise up until the final part when they uh, they fell short but uh, yeah i mean older shot probably had the better of the ball but halifax defended well and when they had their chances on the break um, did exactly that. Um, Rob gave it the, uh, he won't mind me saying, he gave it the commentator's curse, said, fantastic afternoon for Tyler Cordner. Uh, he's probably my man of the match. And then he proceeded to give away the ball to Harvey Gilmore and he broke forward and smashed in the second. So, uh, yeah, uh, disappointing for Aldershot, you know. To, Ross McNeely said about it in the week, how good it would be to get to Wembley. And I think he even said in his post-match interview with Rob, um that he will get this club to Wembley. I'm pretty sure I heard that. I think what he said was this club, I don't know when it'll happen, but it will get there eventually. I don't think he attached himself to it, obviously hopes that. But I just want to add that despite Tyler Cordner giving the ball away for the second goal, Joe still gave him the order shot down man of the match. And we both concurred, didn't we, Joe, on um, the best Halifax player on the day. He didn't complete the game. He's on his way back to full fitness from injury, but... Luke Summerfield um, probably was the pick for Halifax. Yeah, like a married couple here too. You keep digging each other out, going, "Oh, he said this, he said that. Oh, he did this, he did that." (laughs) Yeah, I mean, when when I came in, I obviously arrived a little bit earlier than Rob, um, because I like to get everywhere about two hours early. Um, And when the teams came out, obviously, no Ollie Pendlebury who was cup tied yesterday, and I immediately said um, to the, I think it's Tim, is it the photographer? Oh, Ian. Um, or Ian, sorry. Um, I immediately said, I don't think Aldershot are going to win much in midfield. Um, and unfortunately, that was probably the story of it. Summerfield looked really good, you know, the way that he dictates the play. And uh, yeah, he was probably the difference. And that's probably why Aldershot got back into the game and looked better when he got taken off after an hour. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. I was just no, going to no, say no. about the, Wem- the Wembley dream, though, but there was a lot of negativity uh, on the older chat Twitter as well last night. Yeah, there was. There was a um, a specific, I don't know if it was pre-planned, um, but there was about 100 older shot fans came to the edge of the director's box and called for the chairman, Shahid Azim, 
to to go. We want Azim out um, was the cry. Um, it, it's a little bit surprised me. I didn't know, you know, whether it was planned or not. Um, they wanted to take their frustration out on somebody. Um, and um, it, yeah, it just, it hurts more than most. Listen, every supporter of every club has hopes, dreams, ambitions for that club. But Aldershot have got to the latter stages of the FA Trophy, the quarterfinals and the semifinals, I think five or six times now, and never got beyond them. Um, the one time we qualified for um, a playoff final, uh, Wembley was being rebuilt and it was played up at Stoke, which was a great occasion, but it wasn't Wembley. And most supporters of Aldershot, if they've supported them 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they'll tell you they've got one dream left and that's to see Aldershot play at Wembley. So unfortunately, Aldershot FC um, formed in 1926 and Aldershot Town FC formed in 1992. Neither club ever has got within a sniff of Wembley. And I don't have the facts in front of me, but I think I've heard the stat that in the top five or six, five divisions of of English football, there's only five or six clubs that have never been to Wembley. They've been there before, haven't they? And they've got a great chance. They have got a great chance and the draws really opened up for them and left in it are Arnett, Gateshead and Altrincham. We'll start with Altrincham. They're one of my tips for the trophy. And they won away 2-1 at York City. Slightly later kickoff there than most. And Altrincham took the lead through Jordan Hugh just on the stroke of half-time, four minutes out from half-time. James Jones added a second on 62 minutes before. When Neil John loses consolation in the 94th minute, not quite enough for them. Barnett won 3-2 at Maystone after penalties in the end. That went the distance after being 2-2 at half-time. Two missed penalties for Maystone. Barnett scored all of theirs. Wanjou Smith and Barham were the unfortunate ones to miss there in the shootout. And also Gateshead and Farsley. That went to penalties as well after a nil-nil draw there. Farsley's dreams of making it any further in the in the FA Trophy. They'd already surpassed their record appearance by appearing in the quarterfinals. They missed two penalties as well. Chris Atkinson missed one and Bobby Johnson also missed one. So Gateshead won by four goals to two on penalties. And it's not the big teams in it, is it? I mean, in terms of league position, Barnett at the highest place, in it? But draws really open, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. I mean, we knew that coming into the quarterfinals, there wasn't going to be a big... Uh, a big club at this level um, that was gonna that was gonna be able to go on and win it, and that's you know sometimes is is good for the is good for the competition. Um, I feel for Farsley, if you you know they were the lowest ranked team left in it, they're a league below um, Gateshead, and they completed ninety minutes without conceding a goal and got a draw, and you know you kind of feel that like maybe they deserve more, but um, obviously Gateshead got it done on penalties. I mean, with my Boston hat on, certainly very disappointed they've not got through because I was hoping that nice run to Wembley for them might keep them distracted from the league. But um, no, last of the um, sides outside the National League, I think, will um, in the trophy and um, it's the lottery of penalties, isn't it? I saw a video on Twitter last night of a Frank Mulhern effort from way inside his own box that nearly caught the keeper out. And you just wonder on another day if... You know, the luck goes with them and they're through to the semi-finals. But no, they did really well to get there. And um, yeah, hopefully for them, it gives them a bit of heart to kick on in the league now. 
Advantage the North, three Northern clubs and yeah. one Southern club. Um, and uh, I think, not just because of league position, but I I, I think Barnet favourites now. Obviously, we we'll wait and see what the draw is. Um, I have a funny feeling that Altrincham and Gateshead are going to draw each other, which would mean that uh, Barnet would play Halifax. I spoke to a Halifax, one of the members of the media team on the way out, and I said, congratulations on the win. Good luck in the semi-finals. He said, we'll probably get Barnet away. <laughs> well, enough, you can see Wembley Stadium from the Hive, I think, as well. So there we go. It's uh, literally Wembley is in touching distance for yeah. them. Uh, in the National League, Wrexham and Notts County both in action. Wrexham won the 3pm kickoff 1-0 against Southend. A lot of controversy over the goal is given as a Steve Arnold own goal, the goalkeeper. Now, having seen the replay, it's one of those where he jumps with Paul Mullen and I think he's expecting contact from Mullen, doesn't get it and ends up dropping it over the line. There was a lot of um, response on Twitter to it all saying it's a good goal. Kevin Maher was furious. He said he felt that it was a, it should have been a foul and they didn't get the rubber to green. What are your thoughts? You go, Joe, because um, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it back. It looks like he... Um, it looks like Mullins obviously jumped up and say obscured uh, Steve Arnold, um, and he perhaps expects Paul Mullin to get something on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, Phil Parkinson that said that he wants the referees to protect Paul Mullin. Um, that doesn't mean just allow Paul Mullin to do whatever the hell he wants. You know, it's, uh, that may, that may not go down well with Wrexham fans, but you know, there has to be a bit of a line. Uh, John, because I don't think he's had his. I don't think his luck or his share of luck has been too bad this season with referees. If I have to be honest, so um, yeah, disappointing for Southend, and apparently it was a really good performance from Southend on the road yesterday. And for that one chance, which you know Arnold put in, um, it probably would have been a draw, fair result. Notts County, they won. Against Darkin in the late kickoff, Jason Pry gave Darkin the lead. Then two goals from the non-league Harlan McCarley Longstaff had them steal one up, and then a really good, lovely team goal which finished with Matt Palmer scoring. If you haven't had a chance to see it, have a look at it. They beat the Darkin press, played it through to Palmer, who slipped it in beautifully, and not County won by three goals to one. Yeah, superb. Um, found a way again, gone behind, found a way. Um, I do think they are the most complete team. They are not favourites to win it right now because it's same games, isn't it? Four points difference uh, Rex in Wrexham's favour. But um, what I really liked, I mentioned it probably at least once before on this podcast, is the way that they can adapt to play football, uh, a football game, so many different ways. And you know, both the times that I saw my team play them, they were we we gave them a lot of trouble in the first half an hour, but they just adapted what they were doing, and they ended up winning and controlling the game. Um, Dorking gave it as we knew they would under Mark White a right good go they got that first goal which is what they were always going to need to do but I think as Mark said himself if you're going to try and get a result against a team like Notts County then you probably need all 11 or at least 10 of your players to have a game right at the top of their kind of um, ability and you know the higher end of what they can potentially achieve and that, that, that didn't he didn't have that he didn't have enough players having a good game and also, one or two of the more experienced uh, Dorking players apparently uh, said afterwards, um, and that, you know, you can work out who they are, the newer ones that have come in on the defensive side, 
um, that have probably over a thousand appearances in the EFL between them, um, said that um, Notts County, were they in the division above, would be top of that league as well. There we go. High praise indeed. Just below them, battle for the playoff spot, certainly who to finish in the not sort of not in the playoff eliminators between Chesterfield, Woking, uh, Wheelstone, you can count in there as well, Eastley, Boreham Wood, Bromley. So Woking won 2 0 at Maidenhead. They fought back from that 1 0 defeat at Oldham. Patrick Amand and Luke Wilkinson on the score sheet for their maybe Maidenhead. Um, and Chesterfield only drew 1 1 at home. To Yeovil, took the lead on 35 minutes to Chesterfield through a Paul McCallum penalty, but then they fought the law and the law won. Brian Law equalised two minutes before half-time and Yeovil, a, a really good point for them. We'll come on to them shortly, Joe, because obviously there's been a lot of news around them this week, but really interesting week, a big week, because Oaken have got a full week to prepare before they take on Chesterfield next Saturday, lunchtime off on BT Sport. They've got a full week to prepare while Chesterfield have to go down to Wheelstone on Tuesday evening. Yeah, and that could be massive. You know, another couple of days um, preparation and fitness in your legs. Um, and it was a good response yesterday from Woking. I actually think, I um, can't remember who it was actually, but whoever the Woking correspondent was on BBC Surrey Sport that um, that was in my ear yesterday actually predicted Woking would win 2-0 um, when I was listening. Um, so... So, yeah, um, really good win for them, especially after, you know, the criticisms in the week for them to bounce back. Um, Padraig Ammon seems to be on fire at the moment after a slow start. And when I saw Luke Wilkinson's name on the score sheet, I didn't expect to see the goal that he scored. I was expecting a header from a couple of yards from a set piece and he ended up smashing a free kick in from 30 yards. Um, so, yeah, really, really good win for, for Woking. Um, but, yeah, you know, Chesterfield... Um, drop more points at home. Um, good point for Yeovil. I know Mark Cooper yesterday said that he was pleased. He wasn't pleased with the penalty decision. He said that they were robbed uh, from the penalty decision, which they, they should have had a pen in midweek against Eastleigh. And obviously to concede a soft penalty to handball yesterday against Chesterfield, he wasn't happy. Um, but yeah, Yeovil, um, one of their loanees, Ryan Law, obviously getting on the score sheet. He's made a good start. They could only actually name four substitutes on the bench, Yeovil, yesterday because they'd already had five loans in the squad, which meant they had to go to Chesterfield with no goalkeeper on the bench. Will Boos, on loan from Bristol City, wasn't able to be in the squad because Cooper opted for five outfield loanees. Um, but uh, yeah, a good good point on the road for Yeovil. And, they seem to be ticking along quite nicely. And some good news potentially on the horizon for Yeovil as well off the field. Yeah, um, you know, the it's lot lot's been made of the uh, the ownership and uh, the hopeful takeover, um, which looks to be nearing completion, uh, let's say, uh, from Matt Ugler and his consortium. Um he was a he was present at Eastleigh in midweek. Um and yeah, hopefully. You know, get this season out the way. I think all Yeovil fans are hoping get this season out the way, get you know the ownership takeover complete, give Mark Cooper a proper budget, and let him try and build a team to hopefully you know either mid table or even push a little bit higher. In fact, all the teams in the playoffs were in action on Saturday. Easily 
As we mentioned, Joe, you saw them on Tuesday. They lost 1-0 at Yeovil, but they bounced back well against Oldham. And it was that man going again, Danny Whitehall. Yeah, um, he impressed me in the week. Obviously, he didn't get a goal against Yeovil, but uh, but he looked good. Obviously, another goal for him yesterday. Um, Rob actually made the point when we were at the uh, the game yesterday. He said, how many 1-0s is that now for Eastleigh? Well, it's four in their last six, winning 1-0. Um, six games and six clean sheets, I believe, for them at home. Um, I think I saw uh, earlier. Um, so, Not, yeah, I mean, they're... It must be at home, yeah. They lost one nil in the week, yeah. didn't they? But uh... yeah, um, so yeah, they're, they're doing a brilliant job. And uh, you know, as I I made a reference um, in my, my post match report in the week that this is a very young in the main team from Eastleigh. You know, there's one or two experienced players, but in the main, it's a very young team. And the fact that Eastleigh are able to keep grinding out these results and keep getting three points, you know, with clean sheet. That to me smacks of a of a good you know team that's really well coached, um, you know, and and in clever players. Um, so yeah, he's doing a good job there, Bradbury. We were a little bit unsure at the start of the season, weren't we, um, about what he would do? But uh, I certainly think Eastleigh fans would be happy with how the seasons panned out for them. And while we're talking about Eastleigh, of course, a notable appointment uh, in the week. Former Eastleigh manager Ben Strevens uh, back in the National League. That's great to see um, taking charge of Dagenham and Redbridge. He didn't have a game on Saturday. But that one just feels right, doesn't it, boys? I, I think, you know, he's played for the club and, you know, come back. He's got experience of getting the team into the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, hopefully he does well there. Yeah, you saw his name linked and you just thought it was a very good... Uh, like you say, rather good fit, know the club, know this level really well. And Eastleigh fans were really kind of gushing at the appointment as well, saying apart from maybe the last two months at Eastleigh, what a brilliant job he did. Um, and the big thing for him is, as he mentioned when he came on the pod a couple of months ago, is that he's been working at academy level at EFL, at an EFL club. So he'll know who's available on loan. He'll know who's available for release in the summer as well. And that's something he could maybe look at to bring in and bring in some exciting young players as well to add to that squad already in the summer. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does because um, Darren McMahon's approach over the last two or three seasons has been to change very little, keep the continuity, a little bit like Luke at um, Luke Garrard at, at Boreham Wood and, and only bringing in three or four players each season. Um, there's not too many clubs that do do that. I think we'd, we could say probably Dorking, um, Dagenham and Redbridge and Boreham Wood at this level, probably the only clubs that do that. Most of the others, it's more wholesale changes every season, although there has been a trend towards more two-year contracts. But yeah, um, it's not a question of uh, if Dagenham were just bang mid-table, then maybe Strevens could straight away start thinking about um, preparing for next season. But he, he's still in the fight for a playoff place and... Uh, They've got players of the quality to do it. Can he unlock what's been missing for Dagenham for the last three seasons? And that's the consistency. Next question is, can Wheelstone get in the playoffs? As we mentioned, they've got Chesterfield on Tuesday. They go into that on the back of a dramatic late winner at Torquay. Torquay, who were down at 10 men after seven minutes, Tom Lapsley sent off. You could say it's a Lapsley in concentration there from him, potentially. And Max Pretchmar, he opened the scoring 
just before half time. But Torquay hit back right on the start of the second half. First minute of the second half, in fact. Kieran Evans with the equaliser and then a lovely goal right at the end from Wheelstone. Michael Abiro, a player who Christy knows really well. He scored the winner for Wheelstone. We'll Christy in a minute. But Joe, um, heartbreak for Torquay in the end. Yeah, another heartbreaking one. Um, you know, I think I could dissect this as for as long as I can. But um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't. I say heartbreaking. You know, we're we're going down. Um, there's no doubt about that now. Um, I've said that for weeks. Um, and even Rob yesterday came that's since week say, one. <laughs> I think Rob even yesterday said, "I think you might be going down now." Um, well, first, time, be- first time I've said it after yesterday because eight points is a big gap. You've not just got to make up the eight points. You've then got to pick up at least another seven or eight on top of that, you know, to counter what the points other teams are going to get. And 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 so you're looking at needing uh, a minimum, an absolute minimum of 14, probably 15 points out of your final 27 to have a chance of staying up. And, and, yeah, and I mean, that the way reason, I... The way I look at it is, will will Torquay have enough to finish the remaining games seven or eight points better off than what Yeovil will get and what Dawkins get? No, we won't. Um, I still don't think we'll get seven or eight points that, between now and the end of the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, more on the game. I mean, it's a you know, it's disappointing, um, but it's what we've come to expect now. Um, you know, this team's a bit, bit like a poppadom. You know, put any pressure on it, it just completely cracks and breaks apart. Um, <laughs> Not as tasty, uh, though, Joe. I was going to say, I thought you were going to say dip it in chutney or something. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, it even said yesterday, when I asked Rob, you know, did did it end one all? It wasn't a case of, you know, asking, oh, do we, do we potentially win it? It was a case of, please don't tell me we've lost it. And, you know, ultimately we did. Um, so, yeah, you know, disappointing. It, it, it's an afternoon that just makes the following games even harder. Obviously, no Tom Lapsley. Um, terrible tackle. Um, people moaning that it wasn't a red card and that he shouldn't have been sent off because it was only seven minutes played. I thought it was a terrible tackle. He makes him every week. Um, good player, but he makes him every week. You know, he likes to be full-bloodied. Um, and you know, going in with the tackles, but um, you know, it's uh, another disappointing one. You know, we can't keep Gary Johnson said yesterday, you know, we we played well, you know, great, you know, hang that up on the wall, you know, we played well, you know, uh, it, you know, it doesn't uh, it doesn't mean anything if you don't get any points, you know, I, I hate that phrase, um, but um, yeah, just, I mean, the one uh, thing I would. The one thing I would add on it is I've seen a lot of Torquay fans uh, after the game yesterday saying we shouldn't be losing to teams like Wildstone. Um, and I find that really annoying. Um, yeah. You know, in the situation we're in, I'd love to be a Wildstone. You know, they find people, players that, you know, perhaps no other teams don't want. They improve them. They play lovely football. Um, perhaps they didn't show it yesterday. Probably because Torquay's pitch is terrible. That's probably why they didn't play football yesterday. Um, but they got a fantastic manager that coaches players, that gets the best out of people. And they're on the edge of the playoffs for a reason. You know, it's not a surprise. You know, they've said that Torquay fans said that about Southend the other week and they said it about Wilson yesterday. You know, these teams aren't very good. Well, you know, 
isn't that probably a good sign that these teams don't play well and they can still find three points? So, yeah, um, I just thought I'd add that bit because uh, I've seen a lot of Torquay fans thinking that we should be getting points against them just because they're a wheelstone. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're doing a very good job and I wouldn't be at all surprised if they end up in the playoffs. Yeah, one defeat in seven for them and a uh, fan- fantastic run. Uh Three wins on the bounce as well after that. And like I say, they hold Chesterfield on Tuesday. And it's not like Chesterfield can focus on that walking game and think, well, it's only wheels to Because if they do, they'll, they'll get turned over, won't they, Rob? Yeah, they will. And, and you know, that was a, a long and passionate answer there from, from Joe. To answer your other question simply, can Wildstone make the playoffs? Yes, absolutely, they can. It would be an incredible achievement if they did. But right now, they are the best of the rest. Outside the current top seven, they have 55 points, two more than any, any other team below them. Um, and, uh, yeah, as you say, they play uh, Chesterfield coming up. And uh, at the moment, they're seven points behind them. They wouldn't have given up closing even to that point at the moment. So um, there's a tremendous... You always get the feeling that as well as being well coached and playing lovely football, there's a tremendous spirit at Wildstone, isn't there? There has to be. Uh, and it's Yeah, I mean, the thing I would add on that there is you look at the two teams that have come to play more, not played amazingly by all accounts, but still won. Wildstone and Southend, two unbelievable squads in terms of their spirit and their, you know, their fight... You know, I'd love some of that at Torquay um, with, you know, this season. Um, so, yeah, really, really good job from Wheelstone. And the winner for Wheelstone was called by Michael Abiro, as I mentioned, Christian. And he's having his most prolific season. Granted, he's only got seven goals, but he's had a bit of a, a journeyman career so far. He's been at Huddersfield as a kid, went to Carlisle on loan and went to Halifax on loan. Then he was released and he was at Boston last year. So he's a player you know well. Uh, yeah, he had a good um, pre-season. He was one of um, a number of signings Paul Cox made in pre-season. Um, started the opening day when we were 5-0 down at home to Southport, and that finished 5-3. Um, and it was Jordan Crawford, the other forward, that got the goals that day. Um, and that proved to be his only competitive start. He was on the bench for a couple of months. Um, Paul was um, relieved of his duties, and Ian Caldhouse came in. Um, Ian gave him three or four appearances off the bench. Um, the last of those came at Baseford in the FA Cup and he missed a one-on-one in added time. Um, and we lost the replay and he was gone. So um, I maybe didn't see much of him at all. Um, certainly nothing that was going to suggest he'd end the season with maybe 10 or 12 goals in the National League. But um, it seems as though he's doing very well there. And um, like you said, Wilston are, are perhaps turning reasonable players into good ones. And um, good luck to him. He didn't get, as I say, he didn't get much of a chance at Boston, but he didn't do much to command more minutes, if that makes sense. What a story that would be, though, you know, starting the season on the bench at Boston and potentially getting promoted with Wheelstone in a division above uh, after looking like uh, yeah, he wasn't sure where he was going to go after Boston. But uh, we'll keep abreast of that story. And we're going to move now and look at the National League North. And in the National League North, it was another big day at the top, wasn't it? And Fylde have... We thought they pulled clear the other week, then they were pegged back, weren't they? And this time they have got a bit of daylight on Kingsland and the game in hand. Fylde won 3-2 at home against Darlington. Kingsland could only draw 1-1 at Kidderminster. Yep, they did. Um, I think Fylde now for a few weeks seem to have been just that little bit more consistent than Kingsland. 
Um, albeit they drew late on in midweek at Buxton and they could only draw at Blythe. Um, and of course, they were pulled back by Kingsland at, at Mill Farm. But um, yeah, they had to come from behind yesterday. Um, Darlington's Nelson with the opener from the penalty spot and then established a half-time lead. But um, Charman and, and Rowley um, had fouled in front with 20 minutes to play and they held on. Um, so a good win for them. Um, and meanwhile, Kingsland picked up a point at Kidderminster um, and they'd maybe have hoped for a little bit more there. Um, Agra certainly isn't as tough a place to visit as it has been for the last two or three years. Um, I know Boston visited there last Saturday and speaking to Kidderminster fans, they were saying they'd just take a goal um, at home. And, well, they got one through Ashley Hemmings on 10 minutes, but seven minutes later, that game was level. Um, Gordon Mateo scoring again, penalty this time. And then that game played through the last 70 or so without a change to the scoreline. So, yep, a two-goal, a two-point, sorry, cushion for Fylde now. Um, they play Kings Lynn at the Walks a week on Tuesday. And if that's not a Kingsland victory, um, I dare say it's filed title now. Yeah, it's, it's a big game that coming up very soon. Chester in third on a, a really good run, aren't they, Christian? Although they drew nil-nil against Leamington, that, that obviously has repercussions at both ends of the table. And a slight, maybe a slight bit of regret there for Chester, although they have played more games in Kingsland and filed. But they're having an amazing season, aren't they? Certainly an amazing 2023. Uh, they are, yeah. They've um, been picking up a lot of late points at home um, since the turn of the year, really. They had the the cruel equaliser against Telford, um, a late one against Curzon and Alfreton. Um, they then beat uh, my Boston side with a 95th-minute goal. So um, I suppose they may be due a bit of a uh, more disappointing result, but Leamington are a different side to what they were five or six weeks ago. Um, Chester are excellent on the road and you just wonder if they do manage to keep stringing wins together will the gate crash the top end um, like I say it's filed for me but um, if Chester can keep the pressure on you never just know there's enough time left yet to make up five points Yeah, One defeat in 2023 for Chester that's an incredible record and they've won six of their last eight as well and um I suppose it's not a point to be sniffed at either for Leamington, is it, down at the bottom of the table? Not at all. No, I think um, I think you could say it's true for most of the sides down there. They've just started picking up um, a point or two where you wouldn't expect. Um, so it's important you try and get something out of everything, of course. And um, yeah, Leamington will be delighted with a point at home to Chester, um, the best away team in the league. And Leamington have got a result out of them and another clean sheet. So... Um, yeah, I think they'd have taken that before kick-off, that's for sure. At the top as well, Brackley then on a, a great run. Josh Johnson did really well when he first came in, but that is now four defeats in the last five, and he lost 3-1 at Curzon on Saturday, but they are still in fourth position. They are. I think um, when I was last on a few weeks ago, we were saying that it was kind of the top two, and then Darlington and Brackley, and then the rest, and both of those sides have really slipped into the the pack, as it were. Um, yeah, Brackley, four defeats in five. Not the best for them. Um, I mean, you still back them to snap out of it and be comfortably in those playoffs. But um, it's not the season it threatened to be for them. Um, I think they would probably take fourth if you offered it to them now. Um, Chester, five points away and the top two a little bit further on from that. But um, no, a great win for Curzon, just as they seem to be slipping back down. 
um, they pick up another three points and um, yeah, a cracking result for them. Just a point to add on uh, Brackley, I was speaking to one of my mates in the week who is a Brackley fan um, and he was saying that um, they, they just look confused at the moment. Um, all the players that they've brought in under Roger Johnson, he says none of them are performing. Um, he said it's also bizarre that they've decided to suddenly change formation um, and, you know, get away to Curzon Ashton, who they'd have been expecting to hopefully get something from. Um, another disappointing defeat for them. It looks like, um, you know, I asked whether or not, you know, perhaps tactically or he's been found out a little bit, Roger Johnson, in that he's, he doesn't have the experience of the other managers. And uh, I think that might be a case at the moment. Uh, they're just conceding a, a couple of more goals. I mean, it, it doesn't sound much a 2-1 and a 3-1. But you look through their results before that and, and it's clean sheets or conceding just the one goal pretty much all the way through. Um, and that, that really does keep going back to the autumn. So um, whatever has changed there, it's clearly not working for them. Um, they lost a close game at Boston a couple of weeks ago um, and then did the same at Kettering. And now they've lost to Leamington and Curzon. So their team's down the bottom end that are getting the better of Brackley at the minute. And... Um, yeah, I can understand why if they've made a change in formation, supporters would be wondering quite what the thinking behind that is. Yeah, we mentioned Darlington. They lost at Fylde. Uh, the other two teams in the playoff places, Charlie and Scarborough, eventful day for both of them. Scarborough surprisingly lost at home 3-0 to Gloucester, who were just outside the playoff places themselves. And then Ketchin had a really entertaining draw with Charlie, 3-3 in an up-and-down game. Uh, They did, yep. Starting with the Scarborough game um, and Gloucester in particular, they've been a real surprise. We had the news just after Christmas that the chairman was looking to step down and he's issued a couple of statements about um, certainly where he feels that's gone wrong or he's not had the support he was after. Um, So for things on field to be particularly positive, um, I don't think anyone was expecting, but yep. Um, Mikhail on target for them again just before half-time. And then uh, two goals in the last 20 minutes from Morgan and Tope um, did the job for Gloucester. Scarborough, they've conceded um, a lot of goals all season, um, particularly at home. Um, We had the 5-2 defeat to Darlington over Christmas. Blythe went in there and scored a couple of goals. Um, They drew 2-2 at Spennymoor. Um, and then they lost three two at Kings Lynn. So it's it's twos and threes every week, and you just can't put it together a consistent run of victories with that kind of defence. But um, no, they're another one where you just wondered which way they were going to go, and they've started to be dragged into a battle for a playoff spot instead of a battle for the top three. Um, and then Chorley, that was a really strange game by all accounts. Um, I looked at the score at one point, and it had Kettering three one up. And I looked again and Chorley were 3-2 up. So um, there was a disallowed goal in amongst it all. Um, Knowles gave catching the lead in the first 15 minutes. Um, and then the other five goals came after half-time. Um, John Ishtabassi scoring on 54 to level it. Um, a sheriff penalty restored the lead for Kettering uh, with 20 or so minutes to go. And then Whitehouse and Hall, uh, 10 minutes apart, seemed to have stole the points for Chorley. But um, Cooper's late equaliser gave Kettering a share. And, um, yeah, I think both teams were quite happy with the point in the end because they could have well ended up with nothing at all. But um, filed the only team to win in the top seven yesterday, um, which is interesting. And there's a lot of teams in there with not much form. It's really 
weird in the north, isn't it? Because there's either teams were clustered together, so you've got tenth down to thirteenth on forty nine points. Then behind them, you've got Curzon who are on fourth, who are fourteenth on forty six, and then there's just five points back to twentieth. Um, and then obviously you've got the bottom four. So, I mean, I'm not saying that like Curzon and Peter Sports will be dragged into the relegation battle, but it. We were talking about this just before we came on air, Christian, about how tight it is. So, like, for example, you've got Boston and Farsley who've been on good runs recently, but aren't pulling away at all from that bottom four, are they? Um, they're not, no, particularly at the bottom. Um, five or six weeks ago, we identified for Boston the fixtures they had were all against teams at the top end. And we said they'd need enough points to stay in it. Um, and they've picked up four wins, two draws from tough games, arguably until yesterday. Um, and they're still only three points out of it. So, no, um, wins are becoming kind of necessary as opposed to um, pulling you away from any great trouble. So, um, no, everyone's kind of clustering together. Um, the playoff picture's just been spread out a little bit. Um, Chorley there on 56 and Gloucester just the other side of the dotted line on 56. Um, Alfreton, if they can cash in their games in hand, they're going to be up there. Um, they were postponed yesterday at Bradford. So they're playing that one tomorrow now. Um, and then there's the mid-table pack where teams are going to need to find form pretty quick if they want to make seventh. Um, or you never know if things carry on as they are at the bottom. Teams might might just get dragged into it. So it's been a strange old league um, all the way through, really, and I don't think it's going to change now. Yeah, down at the bottom, as you mentioned, Boston, uh, your team, of course, really good win and a six-pointer up at Blythe. That means you move four points clear of Blythe. Farsley are in 21st, but they have got a couple of games in hand on the teams above them. They're only three points from safety. Leamington got a good draw against Cheston and Ketton, who's mentioned, drew against Charlie. Uh, Telford, they drew 0-0 as well, of course. They did, but there's four points this week for them because they beat Grandpa Park on you on Tuesday evening. A really good win for Telford. It was 4-0 as well. Grandpa Park on you, though, had a bit of a disastrous trip down the the driver said, that's me, um, that's me two hours done, pulled over, wouldn't drive anymore. They're getting taxis to the ground. So they arrived in the last minute and then uh, Telford beat them by four goals to nil. So Bradford have got injury issues at the minute, haven't they, Christian? Um, but with Mark Bowers' team, you always expect them to put a little run together and get out of it. Um, we'll come on to that in a minute. But first of all, Boston's win at five. Uh, yep, we'll start at Croft Park. Um... Boston were excellent yesterday, um, really clinical. Um, to Blythe's credit, I'd say they had a lot of possession, both halves, but um, I tried my best to hear um, Graham Fenton's interview through the wind on um, the club's YouTube account this morning, and um, he identified they just weren't good enough in the first half. Um, Jordan Burrow, um, with a classic Jordan Burrow goal, really. Fans of any team at this level for a long time will no doubt have seen him um, produce one or two diving headers in off the bottom of the post and um, that set Boston on their way. Um, just before half-time, Sam McClintock volleyed in after Blyther tried to clear a corner. Yeah, great um, strike. I saw that on Twitter. It was uh, going yeah, about last a, night. A cracking strike. Um, you uh, maybe ask questions about the goalkeeper, but I think he's probably seen it quite late um, and only managed to push it into the bottom corner there. Um, and it probably reflected the first half. Um, Boston were picking off passes, uh, kind of anything beyond 30 yards from the Blythe goal, really. Um, there were chances created and, yeah, two good finishes. And um, then after the break, Chadwick squeezed one underneath 
Um, Mitchell for his second goal in a week after the delightful lob against Spennymore um, in a losing cause back at home on Tuesday night. And um, yeah, a late goal apiece. Um, completed a 4-1 scoreline, but Boston comfortably better than Blythe. Um, they're trying to do good things at Blythe and they came to Boston um, and lost 3-0. But if they'd taken their chances that day um, back in November time, they would have probably won it 3-0 instead of losing it 3-0. And um, there's good signs there, but you can tell the Blythe faithful are just starting to get frustrated now that um, they've not got too many games like ones against Boston left and they need to be cashing in on them, really. Well, I think last time you are on, Christian Buxton were in the mayor, but they've had a such a good run since and they won 3-1. At Banbury, they're safe now. I think uh, Hereford and Telford do nil nil. Spending more Peterborough sports played out a cracker 3 3. Peterborough were 3 0 up at half time, but spending more roared back in the second half. Got three goals in 10 minutes in that one. Um, Joe, I know you want to come in on Banbury. Yeah, um, a goal for Joe, I don't know how you pronounce it, Joe Iacafano yesterday, um, who's on loan uh, at them. Um, good start for him after they lost one of their strikers yesterday to Solihull Moors. Jack Stevens uh, went to Solihull Moors probably as the Dallas replacement for next season. Um, he's been really good so far this season and indeed last season uh, for them. And uh, he's got a move to Solihull Moors, um, but obviously not to be for, for Bambri yesterday against uh, a very, very good, well, certainly at the moment, uh, a good Buxton side. Um, you seem to be doing really, really well under their new manager. Yeah, just on Buxton, um, they had a really tough start under Craig Elliott, who was the manager we had at Boston until um, the middle of last season. Um, when he came to Boston, he embarked on this long and beaten run. Um, and he seems to have worked out how to do that at Buxton as well. I think it's 10 or 11 unbeaten now. Um, they're safe. I, I wonder about Banbury. Um, they're still six points off the drop. They've got a lot of games in hand. Um, but you just wonder if they are going to lose with kind of regularity. Might they just slip into it? Um, if you're a betting man, you'd say no. But I wouldn't quite class Banbury, Southport as safe yet. I think Peterborough Sports upwards probably are. Real. Well, Christian, thanks for joining us. No, not a problem. So we're going to look at the National League South now and... At the top, a rare non-victory for Ebsley. They only drew 1-1 away at Tombridge. And I know we mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, Joe, about what a good job Jay Saunders is doing down at Tombridge. And it proved that in the Kent Derby against Ebsley. Yeah, good point for them at home. Perhaps probably one that they wouldn't have expected yesterday to give them you know, all due respect against a very good Ebsfleet side. But um, yeah, Scott Wagstaff, um, the next shot, I believe, Um scored uh, for Tombridge Angels to earn them a point at home at Ebsfleet. Um, and yeah, obviously uh, a really, really good performance. Yeah, I had to do a double take there to see that Scotty yeah. Wagstaff, with the greatest respect to Tombridge Angels, um, what a player. Uh, what a player they've got in Scott Wagstaff. I know he's, you know, he's in his more advanced years, let's say, um, but a uh, tremendous player. Dartford are in second. A good win for them because they beat Farnborough. As we mentioned, Joe Farnborough have been in good form recently, but uh, they sort of brushed them aside with ease in the end, didn't they? Yeah, good win for them at home. Uh, Maxwell Statham obviously opening the scoring, uh, a player I really rate, and I actually had him in my uh, England C uh, 
team, which I put up in the week. Um, he's having a really good season. Uh, goal for Luke Coulson, who's obviously played at a higher division. Uh, and Harvey Bradbury uh, scored his first goal for Dartford, having signed for Dartford from Dorchester uh, on loan in the week. Obviously, he played at uh, Woking under Alan Dowson. Uh, he signed during the week and he got... Uh, a goal for them. Um, and yeah, a very good day for them, especially with Ebsfleet dropping points and having obviously losing again. Um, yeah, really, really good afternoon for, for Dartford, um, who put a little bit of pressure. I don't think it will amount to much come the end, but uh, yeah, good win. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get on to having Charlotte, but Oxford City, good day for them. They leapfrogged the surprise bracket brain tree. Oxford had a really good 3 0 away at MLM, said two goals for Josh Parker. And also Josh Ashbury on the score sheet. And then Braintree, who've had a really good home record this season. That was put to the test. He drew nil-nil at home to struggling Weymouth. Alfie Pavey getting a red card for Braintree. But um, really good point that as well, isn't it, for Weymouth? Just looking at the bottom for a minute there, uh, Joe. Yeah, um, you know, I don't think Braintree have lost at home this season. Um, so, you know, for them to... Uh, to get to go to Braintree and at least not lose um, is a good point. Um, and, you know, certainly all those sides down at the bottom, they just have to keep chipping away at it and get points. Obviously, they've had a couple of really good wins recently, Weymouth. Um, so they'll be pleased to to get a point against a, a side that are, uh, you know, in playoff contention. Um, so, yeah, good point for them. Haven't, as you mentioned, Joe, lost. They lost away at Dulwich Hamlet, who have got Hacken Heretin in charge now. And they left it really late, didn't they, Dulwich? Two goals in the last six minutes, including a 91st-minute winner from George Porter. And unfortunately for Worthing, they couldn't take advantage of that. They stay level on points with Haven and Waterlooville. They lost at home 3-2, rather surprisingly, to Bath. Yeah, both of those sides you mentioned there, both uh, ending the game with only 10 men. Um, Joe Newton sent off for having a more to Louisville uh, and uh, Rye sent off for Worthing. Uh, good win for Bath on the road. They seem to have picked up a little bit of late. Um, and uh, yeah, lots of change at haven't in the week. Obviously, Paul Doswell, um, who has a ban as a manager, but stepped aside into the boardroom Uh he said he was going to do it at the end of the season anyway. Uh, Jamie Collins, his former player at Sutton, who's obviously part of his coaching staff at Haven't, has stepped into the role as manager. Um, so Is that a permanent is... appointment or temporary? I think so, mm. yeah. Um, so I think he's worked alongside uh, Doswell for a good three, four, five years now, hasn't he? Yeah, and, and Haven't will be hoping, um, touch wood, that Jamie Collins ends up the way of Matt Gray. Um, obviously, Matt Gray was Paul Doswell's assistant and he's not done too bad um, in management. So, um, yeah. Um, and just quickly to touch on one of the other games, Chumsford, um, they uh, also lost on the road yesterday and they also finished the game with uh, with 10 men. Dave Winfield being sent off with two yellows uh, for there. Yeah, and Chumsford remain in the last playoff spot. Down at the bottom, as we mentioned, big win there for Dulwich. But concerns for Welling, they lost one at home to Concord. Uh, and a player you know well, Rob Mulbetimer, he got on the score sheet. He did. He's uh, been scoring consistently since he's been at Concord. And sometimes when you're in that kind of fight down the bottom, a 1-0 win, especially away from home, is as sweet as it gets, really. 
Um, and they're going to need more wins like that if they're going to be safe this season, Concord. They've got a little bit of an uphill battle. They're six points off safety now. That's much better than what it was. And they do have some games in hand on the teams above them as well, which will really, really help. Um, and, and and the other one I just... The, the other game I wanted to talk about was um, Slough, who've left Hungerford deep in the mire, really, uh, beating them by four goals to nil. And who to bet on Slough getting such a comfortable win after having, what, three players sent off in the last two games and, um, you know, the, the the amount of personnel to call upon, including himself from Scott Davis, will have suffered, but a tremendous result for them. Um, but not a great day for one of Hungerford Town's players who was a little bit of a Jonah on Saturday. Ryan Jones um, achieved that uh, rather... Unfortunate feat of scoring two own goals in the same game. Yeah, well, I was listening to um, Hungerford's manager, Danny Robinson, his post-match interview, and he said that that first 20 minutes was the worst in his time. 16 years he's been managing, he said, um, and that's the worst 20 minutes of his managerial career. Um, interesting niece for Slough, um, it was Scotty Davis's birthday in the week. And he capped it with a fine win, and he even got man of the match yesterday, Scotty. And then got clouted with the uh, the Vanarama board as he was doing his interviews. Well, I don't know if you saw that; it blew off and uh, nearly uh, took him out. Uh, so he did only did he only get the one game ban? Then I didn't. I thought he. I thought he'd still be out. But... I, I just wanted to ask quickly on Concord, um, Rob, and on Mo Betimer. Obviously, you know him quite well. Um, do you think it's a uh, He's gone to Concord in a way, you know, just because he's had a lot of injury problems, that he's just gone to a smaller club, a league below, just to kind of enjoy his football and then score some goals and, and look to move up. Oh, yeah, 100%. He, he, you know, he lost his way a little bit at Aldershot. And, uh, you know, he's, he's had little short periods of being quite prolific at National League South and National League level. Um, and, I, 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 you know, I think that maybe teams weren't queuing up to take a chance on him despite that. And um, that's a shame because he's a, he's a good professional, adopts a good attitude. He, he works and trains very hard um, and he cares. He's passionate, he, you know, and he's definitely got ability. He's only ever shown it in bursts, really, hasn't he? But he's having another one of those bursts now. Do you remember he had a prolific period when he was at Braintree uh, in a mm. relatively mm. similar part of the country to where he is now? Um, and one good spell with Aldershot where he got 10 goals before Christmas. Goals dried up after that. But yeah, and Mo's going to come on and join us on the podcast between now and the end of the season. He couldn't make it today because it's his wife's birthday. So happy birthday, Mrs. Bettema. Um, and well done, Mo, on another goal and another um, winning goal. Yeah, we've already got the title of pod started for that one as well, haven't we? We have. When, he does we have. Come on. when you come on, Mo, we've got a great title. Uh, great- a uh, pod title, which Luke thought of, but we'll keep it up our sleeve for now. Yeah. Uh, just going back to Welling, Joe, I know obviously you sort of questioned Warren Feeney. They could be really in danger. Sam Cox got two yellow cards. Apparently there's an altercation between Steph Payne and the fans as well. And a lot of calls for Warren Feeney to go on Twitter. And he went full-time this year. It's just not worked out for them, has it? I think they'll just be about safe, but it's not been a great top fifth season for him, has it, under, as a professional team? No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Sam Cox, a player that I know, he was actually at Torquay on loan as a youngster from Tottenham. Um, and, uh, yeah, Warren Feeney has done poorly. 
um, let's put it right. Um, you know, for the amount of money that they've spent, the players that they've brought in. I mean, I don't. I know Rob keeps the stats for the National League um, on who's each team. I think Welling have probably gone through about double what Oldham and Altrincham have gone through this season. Every week we have a player and two player or two in and out um, of Welling, um, and you know for the amount of money that they have put in this season. Um, and the the back in that he has had, which some managers would love at this level, to only come away from the season just avoiding relegation, that's pretty poor. Um, and, uh, you know, I think they need to make a decision um, as to whether or not, you know, do they make a change at the end uh, of the campaign? I would probably say yes, um, you know, because they've got good players that have played at the level higher than this. But they've been poor this season, so inconsistent. Um, defensively, they've been poor. Um, and, uh, yeah, a, a tough season for them. As you said, they'll probably be safe, but that's not really good enough with the efforts that they've put in. Finally, at the bottom, then, is uh, a couple of key results there. Chesham drew nil-nil against Tartan, but Chippenham beat Dover by three goals to one, which means that Chippenham are now out of the relegation zone and Chesham are back in it. Yeah, and I think Chesham will be a little bit disappointed uh, yesterday. Um, you know, I said before um, how important those home games are going to be between now and the end of the season. Um, and Chesham would have wanted yesterday, they would have seen yesterday as a, you know, this is a really good chance to get three points on the board. Um, so for them to only be held to a draw. Uh, at home yesterday, that would have been disappointing. But yeah, Chippenham, uh, good win for them. And uh, as Dover had picked up a little bit under new management, under Mitch Brundle, um, disappointing afternoon for them. Uh, but for Chippenham, good win. Um, and hopefully that's um, the sign of things to come from them. I see no another game with no goal for Matt McClure. Not no really sure what's gone on there. Um, we made a big thing weeks ago about how he was going to be a fantastic signing for them after they lost Jordan Young to Yeovil. Um, but he, once again, wasn't on the score sheet. Yeah, Neil, the game, the final game is the, the battle of the playoff spots and Eastbourne Borough got a good win at St Albans. Had to come from 2-1 down to win that game in the end. Norman Labo with the penultimate goal, it's, sorry, with the culminating goal in that game. Yeah, um, good win for Eastbourne um, and, you know, especially to be, you know, 1-0 down to come back to level and then to go behind again uh, to level, um, you know, just shows the character in their side for them to keep coming back and keep finding a way. Um, Shiloh Remy, uh, another player that's really, really been impressive this season. Um, obviously, another goal for Sean Jeffers because, you know, the day had a Y in it. Every, every game he seems to score um, so uh, you know, I I would be a, I wouldn't be at all surprised if it's the last time we're covering Sean Jeffers in the National League South. I think this may be the season where he finally kicks on and takes a move into the National League, and certainly got the quality to do that. And I think it may be the time for him to do that. And of course, we'll all be uh, meeting up, all of us, uh, for the first time, won't we? A week on Tuesday for the England C game. And uh, we expect, do we, an announcement of the trim down squad to 16 to follow in the next day or two after the weekend's games? We know of two or three little knocks and injuries, don't we, Joe? Yeah, um, a couple. Obviously, Jarvis was back yesterday for Torquay. Um, 
I wouldn't be at all surprised if James Daly uh, misses out um, because I hear that he's going to be out for quite a while, um, good number of weeks. So I don't think he'll be involved. He'll be one that drops out. But uh, yeah, I would expect an announcement. What? Uh, just a quick point I'd add there. It seems that quite a lot of the players, um, or quite a few of them, seem to be suddenly dropped at this point uh, with that in advance. I know Aqua yesterday was dropped for Maidenhead. Um, perhaps uh, something going on there to try and keep ensure they're fit to make sure they get in the squad. But uh, yeah, we should expect an announcement with only a week or so to go. Yeah, I mean, it's that's interesting that one because I mean, with the, football's changed a lot, hasn't it? And and, and at the um, top end between club and country, it used to be country ruled, and now it's club. And, and as much as England C is very much respected, I'm not sure on that. Th- and I know you're just proposing it might be a bit of a theory, but, you know, teams have got so much to play for themselves. Um, leaving a player out two games, two weeks, maybe three games before he plays for England C. I don't know. I'm not sure about that one. Um, but it's just an opinion and football's all about them. We don't have to agree, do we? <laughs> Brilliant. Well, that is it. Thank you very much for joining us. Give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. We're on Instagram as well. Uh, thanks to yourselves, Rob and Joe. Yeah, cheers, Luke. Cheers, Joe. Great to meet you yesterday. Don't forget to subscribe to us as well to uh, listen to your pod on your device every week. Until then, have a great week and we'll be back next week. Speak to you all soon.